This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy Vio, here with Kevin and Will. And we're in a cover three today. And uh, it's funny I mentioned cover three because uh, we were losing the captain of the defense. Oh, man. Luke Keekley, ladies and gentlemen, is stepping away from the game of football. At the age of 28 years old, he has decided to uh, retire. And uh, this podcast is going to be going to be dedicated dedicated to quite frankly, the best linebacker to lace them up for the Carolina Panthers and some say top five linebacker of all time. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that. And uh, we'll, we might speak a little bit on the on the old uh, LSU-Clemson game a little bit. Uh, there's some potential Panthers on there maybe, but uh, that was uh, that was very interesting. But, yeah, this uh, this Luke Kuechly news is, is uh, something that's uh, that's touched us. Um, this evening, and um, on the IG Live, um, several fans were, um, of course, saying how their uh, loved ones and friends were hitting them up about, did you hear about Luke? Did you hear about Luke? And so we're, we're going to talk about that, all right? Um, let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, Will, if you would uh, like to share with us um, about this 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 um, horrible news. <laughs> I'm, talking about, I'm, talking about, about, I'm talking about this dude like he just passed away or some shit, man. Yeah, man, it just totally caught me off guard. Uh, I was preparing to talk about our new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, you know, from LSU, you know, uh, Shrine Bowl coming up, got some prospects we wanted to talk about. And all of a sudden, about 9 o'clock p.m., you know, Twitter, the bomb came out. Luke's talking about something that he's retiring from football after eight, you know, incredible seasons with the Panthers. Yeah. And I mean, just think Luke Kickley, he played the game the right way, prepared the right way, gave it his all week in and week out. I mean, just fast, physical, aggressive. You know, he's just everything you want in a linebacker, as a football player, and a person. I, mean, I remember when he was drafted in 2012, you know, we were in rebuilding mode back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were coming off a 6-10 and 10 season. Yep. We already had a John Beeson and Thomas Davis, and we drafted Luke Kickley, you know, Marty Herney, one of his you know, brightest moments as a Panthers GM. And he just came out every week. You know, he was all over the field, sideline to sideline, you know, diagnosing plays, got the crowd behind him. He just became a celebrity overnight. Everybody yelling, Lou, every time, <laughs> all over. The- <laughs> and, you know, the announcers knew it too. It said, just keep in mind, they're not booing, they're yelling Luke. And it was yeah. not only the Panthers stadium, every stadium, every road game, the Panthers played in a pony. You could hear the Luke mm. you know, every time he made a play. And that just shows you the kind of respect that he had. I mean, in 2012, he came out and got rookie of the year. In you know, 2013, that's when the rebuild ended. You know, that's when we started winning the game, yeah. stringing wins together. And then that yeah. home game in the rain against the New Orleans Saints, Luke Keekley at 24 tackles. Yeah. You know, it helped us helped us lead us to our victory to win our first NFC South championship in years, you know, finally clinched a playoff berth in a first round bye, and he just continued this high level of play year after year, 2015, you know, five all pros, two 
second team all pros, mm. you know, all the Pro Bowls accomplishments. Mm. And I mean, just the uh, only thing he was missing is that championship ring that I felt, you know, 2015 was this best shot. I mean, I just remember Thanksgiving with all my family, who's mostly Cowboys fans, Luke picking off Tony Romo, taking it to the Ooh, house. That Thanksgiving game was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> In the NFC Championship game, you know, we're up 42, well, 42-15, something like that. Something like that. Luke put the nail in the coffin, pick six. You know, he's just such a smart, instinctive player. He knew that what the plays were coming. Yep. He has peer respect. I mean, what more can you say about this guy? You know, I'm going to miss watching Luke Keekley play football on Sundays, man. It's just a very yep. – I'm proud of him that he's going off on his terms. I understand yep. it. I respect it 100%. Yep. You know, it's just sad as a football fan. I'm just going to miss watching Luke Keekley play football on Sundays. Kev? <sighs> Man, I, I, I feel like we need to be playing boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday in the background while we do this podcast, man. That's a... <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> man, what? I'm, mm. I'm borderline, got watery eyes, man. Just thinking about this, man. Yeah, but, uh, man. <sighs> Luke Keekley, man. I mean, what can you yeah. say? I mean, I got to go back to when when uh, draft night when he was drafted, and it was a wide way variety of fans who were like, "Who? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we getting a linebacker? We got Beeson. Oh man, Herney don't know what he's doing." I, I, I remember seeing that also vividly, and I was like. Okay, I mean, he has some nice combine stats. He definitely set some numbers at Boston College. I mean, mm -hmm. hey, let's see what he can do, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, lo and behold, you know, that day back in April of 2012, ended up being uh, one of the cornerstones of the not only the Carolina Panthers franchise in their 25-year history, but dare I say with the NFL in the 100 year, could you make a case for Luke Keekley being – Someone that could be honorably mentioned as one of the best linebackers to ever play this game. Mm. Uh, I think I, so. Yeah. You know, when I when I look back over his eight season career, I mean, since he came in in 2012, nobody has had more tackles than Luke Keekley. 1,092 tackles. No, well, no other linebacker, rather. Uh, these numbers are linebackers that's entered the NFL since 2012. Luke Keekley is first in tackles. 1,092. Luke Keekley is first in interceptions, 18. Uh, Luke Keekley is first in pass breaks up, pass breaks up with 43. I mean, my God. I mean, you know, we could just go on and on, you know, pulling up all kind of stats and all kind of numbers that put up. But when I think of Luke Keekley, man, I just think of someone that was not only passionate and played physically, but he was a cerebral assassin. You know, so many times on the NFL Top 100, when Luke Keekley was mentioned, you hear opposing players, particularly quarterbacks, pretty much saying that Luke Keekley, on nearly 50% of their plays, was calling out their plays before they even ran it. Drew Brees even said that, you know, preparing against Luke Keekley, you know, keeps him up the week of because he knows that, you know, at least half the plays Luke Keekley is going to know. <laughs> and that's a testament to the type of you know, desire, fundamentals, and drive that Luke Keekley had to to be on that level. Nobody made Luke Keekley, you know, be that way. He, he came into the league like that. You know, when he started off in the league in his rookie year, he was actually an outside linebacker because we did have Beeson and we did have uh, Thomas Davis. 
Uh, but when um, uh, Beeson got hurt after the fifth game, Luke Keekley slid over the middle linebacker, and the rest is is Panthers history per se. Uh, I just, man, I just, I just have so many Luke moments in my head. I think back to the 2013 uh, game against New Orleans in the rain at Charlotte. I was there. It, it was for the, um, the the division title, and I believe in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I think I think if, I'm sorry if you had mentioned this, Will. I heard you say 25 tackles, but he had uh 25 tackles that game mm. in the rain. In the rain. <laughs> I mean, uh, my God, this man was rain. just was just uh, he just played. I mean, I think Luke Keekley could have played in any era of football without a face mask. I think he could have played, <laughs> you know, um, during the uh, Dick Buckus with no teeth era. I think he could have played. Uh, I, I I definitely think that during the Lawrence Taylor era, he could have played. I mean, Luke Keekley was just, he was just somebody that just could just fit in because of his desire and his love for the game. Mm-hmm. So when watching this video, mm-hmm. giving his explanation of why he stepped away from the game, I, I can get that. If something that you love more than anything else and you can't do it the way that you feel like it deserves at the level it deserves, then I could totally understand. Now, of course, the fan of me is heartbroken, but the human side of me is like, you know, you stepped away at this at this game during your prime at your peak with millions of dollars left on the table. And, you know, you got to respect the man that puts his long-term longevity ahead of financial gains because several players would not do such a thing. But that's what made Luke Keekley Luke. You know, he wasn't real big on social media like several other players, uh, superstars in the NFL are these days. You know, uh, Luke loved to go fishing. I mean, yeah, Luke was just just a, a low-key guy. And I'm definitely going to miss that uh, that aspect of him, the, the passion and the cerebralness for the game that he has. Oh, man. This this, this is tough for me, man. I- it it it's just now settling in, really. To be honest with you, man, it's just wow. It's a, like you guys said, man. He's just a cornerstone to this franchise for. I mean, eight years. It seemed like it's flown by, man. But God Almighty, it's gonna be really weird to see, you know, OTAs and training camp and Wofford or wherever we're going to be, um, for for uh, for training camp, man. It's just dang, man. It's gonna be weird not seeing Luke out there. Now, I, I, I really feel bad for these younger fans, man, who, who looked up, look up to Luke, you know, playing Pop Warner, you know, you know Pee Wee, whatever, you know, and just want to be a linebacker and, you know, just, just, you know, mimic his style and, you know, just try to be, try to be like Luke, try to be that kind of football player. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing that we got to have somebody like him on, on this team, though, to to show that. Show what a pro really looks like. Yeah, he was a, he was a true professional, man. I hate to, I hate to see him go. Um, so the question is, can Shaq, or well, can Shaq and whoever, <laughs> are they gonna be able to hold it down? Um, I'm I'm now we have another huge void in the middle of our defense. Um, geez, man. I mean, it's really really early, early to say what was going to happen, but. Um, and Luke, he's irreplaceable. He's, he's, he's just irreplaceable. 
But we're going to have to put somebody there. Wow. Mm. What's your favorite uh, favorite Luke Kuechly moment? Will? I'd have to say, I mean, the, 20, the 25 tackle game against New Orleans is one, but, I mean, the pick six in the NFC Championship game. Ah. To seal the deal and take us to the Super Bowl, man. That just stands out to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, you... Yeah. We're waiting. We haven't been there since 2003. I mean, I, I, I just, I was so, I just, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I woke up. I was so nervous all day. I couldn't sleep that night. You know, we, mm. we had just come off that big win against Seattle. I mean, I was just so nervous about that Cardinals game. I knew the kind of team Arizona had. You know, I'm just like, man, we haven't faced a team like this all year. I was nervous. I was, you know, fidgety. And once the game started, we just saw them put together a performance like that. Probably the most complete game in the entire Ron Rivera era that we saw. And then just to see Luke finish it like that is just the right way to end it. You no know, capping a great season. And it just all came together then. You know, you just breathe that sigh of relief. Man, we really going to the Super Bowl. We got a chance to win it all. Yeah. And I just think that's, you know, the captain of the team, the you know cornerstone of the franchise made that final play to seal the deal and take us to the you know place we hadn't been in so many years i just think that just stands out to me so much i feel you kev your favorite luke kigley moment wow ironically it's off the same play that we'll describe but i'm talking about what happened after you scored a touchdown y'all remember the uh fan that was so excited that they <laughs> Fell over the front row and Luke Keekley helped the fan up. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that 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 was going to be my moment uh, that I will that I will um, <laughs> I that, uh, that I wanted to talk about was the fact that you know Luke just scored a pick six, fan just overjoyed and fan linked over too far and fell out and Luke went and grabbed and you can hear because it, it was mic'd up like, hey man, you okay? <laughs> you know, was, you know that's just Luke, man. I mean. You know, fierce worry on the field, but, you know, caring off the field. I, I think that whole sequence right there for me sums up Luke Keekley. You know, he was the ultimate, yeah. um, you know, you know, they always say he was the Clark Kent, the Cam Superman. But, you know, he was just a guy that was just so low key off the field, yet so ferocious on the field. Um, yeah. But if I had to pick a different moment, I would actually have to say. Uh, that 2016 season when Luke was out and we was up in Seattle and I forgot what play it was, but Luke was mad as hell. That image of him with the cap on yelling at Rivera, man, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that would be my second all time favorite Luke moment was just seeing the passion and the, and the fire that Luke Keekley had on the sidelines. You know, I think we got, Blown out, what forty to seven that game? But uh, that, that picture of Luke yelling at Rivera on the sidelines was uh would be my second favorite moment. For me, I would say, and I'm not, this this is a a a, a a game that was kind of irrelevant, I guess you could say. I mean, it was a regular season game, but um, it was that it was that time that we we were playing the Jets. And I believe there was a there was a fumble and Luke scooped that bad boy up and ran it to the house. Um, and it was in New York, and Shaq was right behind him. And he, I think, I think they both like like ran and ran into the end zone, kind of like kind of like you know did the old slide 
slid on the ass and shit. <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luke don't Luke don't get too hyped sometimes in the game, man. But that, that was one time, man. He was just acting a fool, man. I, I I love it, man. I was just he was just really having fun, and uh, we needed that because our offense wasn't doing too hot. But anyway, <laughs> Luke Kickley, ladies and gentlemen. Dang, man. I mean, and, and uh, uh, Will, you said that uh, he was getting hit up on Twitter. Yeah, it's just amazing that the amount of respect he gets from his peers. I mean, guys, we, you know, fierce rivals we played against, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas, wow. you know, uh, Quan Alexander used to play for Tampa Bay. I mean, he's playing this Saturday for the, um, from Sunday for the 49ers, about to try to go to the Super Bowl, actually, now, I think. And you just got guys like, um, you know, and J.J. Watt, I mean, all over the league, you just see the amount of respect that he has from his peers. You know, he's just one of the all-time greats to play this game. And I just think it shows. Every time you see NFL Top 100, I'm just, you know, I'm watching this show wondering where they're going to rank Luke, Top 10, Top 20, every year, you know, year after year. Just That just shows the type of peer respect he has from guys in the league. You know, I think it's an eight-year career. Um, similar to uh, Patrick Willis, I think he had similar uh, short, shortened career. Sure did. But I mean, I just think that's something the Hall of Fame is going to have to consider. Guys are taking care of their bodies now; they're retiring earlier. You know, it's a tough game; it wears on your body. I mean, just tell me, and who in eight years has accomplished what Luke has? I mean, it, I mean, we talked about his accomplishments, but you know, I just can't don't see how he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. Hall of Honor Panthers. Right. I don't want anyone touching number 59 as long as this franchise exists for the next 100 years. Mm. You know, that should be set in stone in the stadium somewhere, you know? That's probably a game I want to be at the day we retire his jersey and say nobody from here on out can touch it. And every time, you know, these guys were drafting their freshmen in college, you know, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, they're going to walk into the stadium 10, 20 years, 10, 15 years from now. That 59 right there, that sets the standard on the way you should play this game. Well said. Oh, man. Are, are there going to be uh, – I'm, I'm not quite sure. You, you guys know if there's going to be some um, some heavy hitters at the linebacker position, middle linebacker position in the, uh, in the free agency? Too early to say, um, I guess. Give me a minute. I'll uh, pull it up. I was actually thinking about that right before you said it. Yeah, great minds, my man. Great minds. Yeah, man. You got to head the size of mine. You got to stay on top, you know? Yeah. Um, Let's see. Here it comes. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Luke will be in. I wonder if he'll drop by camp or if, or if he'll just separate himself from football altogether. He said in his uh, video that he wants to be a part of the game, so I'm hoping he comes back with the team in some capacity, maybe as a linebacker coach. That'd be awesome. I mean, you look at a lot of great coaches were former linebackers. Ron Rivera himself. Um, Mike Vrabel. I mean, he's <laughs> look what he's done with Tennessee Titans. You know, he brings that toughness to the team, and they take the personality of their coach. So mm -hmm. I just think Luke, maybe you know, the next Mike Vrabel be that next great linebacker coach in this league. Yep. Now is Luke married? I, I know he had a girlfriend from like school or whatever. He, yeah, he gave his girlfriend a shout out in his uh, final video. We're, he gave his uh thanked his parents, his girlfriend, his coaches, and everybody. So, and where can uh where can these folks find this video, bro? 
Was it on the? It's on the Panthers Twitter, Panthers Facebook. Probably on the Panthers website at this point. Okay. Uh, it's worth a listen. I mean, I had to turn it off a couple minutes in. I couldn't get through it the first time, but you know, that third, second, third attempt, I finally got through it. You should listen to it, man. He, you got to respect his decision. You know, he's doing what's best for his body. You know, he wants to. He doesn't want to have a you know mushed up brain by age 40, 50 years old. You know, he just wants to have a good quality of life, enjoy the money he's made, enjoy his family, and move on. So you got to respect it. Absolutely. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, sorry it took so long. Um, just taking a look at some of the um, free agent uh, middle linebackers that are apparently out on the market. Um, it's quite a few here. Just trying to see which ones uh, immediately stick out. So you got Danny Trevathan. Um, he's going to be available. He's 30 years old. Um Hardy Nickerson, um, he's going to be available. He's 26. Uh, let's see who else I see here. Corey Littleton of the Rams. Uh, we know him. He uh, gave us a run for our money week one. Um, he's going to be available. So, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, you know, decent solid linebackers available free agency. But, you know, when you had Luke Keekley, you know, none of them seemed good enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like going back to that 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 BS bottle of wine after you already had that top shelf stuff, man. It's just it's not the same, man. You just don't Ah, man. You can't you can't replace you can't replace a Ferrari with a Fiat, bro. That's just it's just not the same. Yeah, but in hindsight, that extension they gave Shaq Thompson makes a lot of sense now because I would have hate to have lost both of them Ooh, in the same offseason. Especially when you could have signed in one hindsight, of them. hindsight, <laughs> man, that's looking like a good deal there. Good point, good point. I mean, you know, Shaq's a little undersized. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, in today's game, you know, that's a lot of linebackers are his size. So I think mm-hmm. we could possibly see him shift over to Mike Backer. I think gives Eric Reed an opportunity to maybe move to linebacker. Mm-hmm. And there's your two linebackers in that four-two-five that I mean we ran last year. I mean I don't know if Rule's going to run the same thing, but mm-hmm. probably see a lot of that. And then you know we we'll look to the draft, which we'll be talking about all off season. So yeah, it's just time for the new era. Tough pill to swallow, you know. Yeah, it's, it's official, folks. This this franchise is changing, and uh, I mean we all saw you know the possibility of Olsen leaving and. Um, obviously, TD left last season, and you know Cam's been out potentially. He might not be here, but Luke Kuechly, <laughs> blindsided. And I know, and I know people have been talking about you know the there was a rumor going around, man. But and you know, jeez, it's it's still, man. You know, wow, <laughs> wow. <sighs> Keep pounding, Panther fans. Keep pounding. So, um, do you guys want to speak on the uh, national championship game a little bit, or you know, just briefly? You know, most of you guys probably saw that game. Yeah, I mean, I was just amazed at the talent level on both teams. I mean, hell, going to the draft, just select from these two schools, I mean, you're probably <laughs> halfway there already. Exactly. I mean, Clemson came out, you know, they built a 17-7 lead. I mean, just... You know, I thought Isaiah Simmons, their linebacker, which we'll talk about a little bit more, was excellent. He plays slot corner, outside corner, free safety, strong safety. He could play every position on the back seven. 
When you talk about, you know, draft needs, I mean, that guy, he's probably numero uno, public enemy number one as far as guys I'm looking at at this draft at this point. Um, but I just think LSU just had better athletes, and that's what it came down to. Um, Jamar Chase, their wide receiver, you know, they just left my number eight, A.J. Terrell. He's going to be a first, second round pick. I mean, Jamar Chase just dog walked him. You just saw Joe Burrow. I mean, he solidified himself as a Cincinnati Bengal. Yes. No Panther fans were not trading the farm for Joe Burrow, so please <laughs> stop asking me about it. Back off. <laughs> but, you know, he, I mean, he just, you just saw why he won the Heisman and had one of the best, you know, college seasons in history. I still think I'll take Cam in 2010 over Burrow this year because Cam had less talent. But I'm not going to take away from Burrow. I mean, he was amazing last night. You know, five touchdown passes, seven TD passes the week before against Oklahoma. I just think this was one of the best teams of all time when you talk about the 2019 LSU squad. You'll see a lot of those guys playing on Sundays. I'd love to have a lot of them and Clemson Tigers both on the Panthers next year. So, very fun game to watch. I wish it was a little bit closer, but, you know, it was entertaining nonetheless. Kev? Well, for me in the national championship I, game, I, I was particularly looking at the line play and you know, I saw um you know, I saw some good some good line play on both sides from both teams really. Uh, the uh, LSU has a couple of guards that I think would um would definitely be a nice addition uh, to the um to the Carolina Panthers, uh particularly for LSU their left guard number 73. Uh, I think his name is McGee. Uh, we've talked about him in the chat some. I mean, uh, this guy's strength and footwork is just at a very high level, and, and he plays with nastiness to him as well. So, uh, just something that um, something that I noticed. But overall, for the first two and a half quarters, it was a well played game. Then you know LSU just decided to let Clemson know. You know we tigers, but uh, I'm the daddy. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and uh, put this thing to rest. Um, I just think that overall, you know, the, the two best teams met up and they played a a tough competitive game that both sides were making plays. Um, you know, hey, for all you LSU fans out there, you know, congratulations. Uh, I can say it was fun watching uh, LSU alums. Um, Ryan Clark and uh, uh, what's what's the dude name? They was giving Stephen A. Smith hell <laughs> this morning on first take uh, because he chose Clemson. So that was uh, that was pretty that was pretty uh, pretty nice to see. You know, having some fun with him. But overall, it's uh, you know, hey, you know, congrats to LSU and and uh, I, I wouldn't be mad if I saw a few a couple of LSU and Clemson players. Uh, be drafted by us in the 2020 draft. Yeah, that that was a that was a very entertaining game. <laughs> like you said, man, just looking at the the level of of, of athleticism and wow, dude, oof, Jesus Christ! And people were saying Ohio State was a better. Do you guys think Ohio State should have been in that game? Nah, they crying yeah. over that um, fumble or quote unquote booth review. I mean, you know, I think these were the two best teams at the end of the day. I mean, you know, I mean, Clemson and Ohio State had other opportunities besides that to beat Clemson. But, I mean, everybody want to blame the refs for why their team isn't doing good. You know, you have 
so many plays throughout the game that the refs don't affect. You know, make plays when your opportunity is there and stop crying. Exactly. But, you know, that's just how it goes. I mean, I blame the refs when we lose at times, too. So <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to do that this year. <laughs> we was taking L's by ourselves. Bastards. But I think the biggest takeaway from last night was we got a first a brief preview of our new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Um, he was with the New Orleans Saints in 2017 and 2018. So we learned under Sean Payton as an offensive analyst. He's only 30 years old. Mm. He was LSU's passing game coordinator, and I think they let him call red zone plays. But Joe Burrow, I mean, he was basically last year, he was basically undraftable, you know, probably an undrafted free agent, sixth-round guy. Mm -hmm. This year, he's the first overall pick superstar. I mean, he went from Kyle Allen to the number one overall pick in the span of a year. I mean, LSU's offense was just so explosive, setting records. I think he threw 60 touchdown passes. So this was um, a lot of the explosion in LSU's offensive production this year was credited to Joe Brady, and he won the assistant of the year at the college football award. So he was one of the hottest assistants out. And I think, you know, Tepper, you know, being who he is, just said, you know, I'm going to give Matt Rule all the resources I can to allow him to succeed. So, you know, he's putting together an all-star lineup of college coaches and laying the foundation for the future of this franchise. So, you know, as a Panther fan, I don't know what Joe Brady's offense is going to look like in the pros. You know, I doubt, I think it'll look more like, be more balanced a more balanced attack like you see in New Orleans as opposed to the heavy pass, five wide empty formations that he was running at LSU. But, I mean, it's a lot to be excited about. He's a very creative, up-and-coming offensive mind. So, I mean, it's a lot to look forward to. You know, just got to be patient and stick with it. But I think we have a bright future and a good foundation of, to, as we go ahead. I agree, man. In Tepper, we trust, man. And, and you could tell Tepper, Tepper cares about what's going on in, 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 in this franchise. He really does. You know, he, he was really uh, animate about the due diligence in getting Matt Rule. Um, and it, it, seems, it seems Matt knows, you know, he knows the right people to pick. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll see if that jails um, with what's in that locker room. Um, whew. Well, boy, um, I have to say, folks, we really appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us, man, because this is going to be one a hell of an offseason. <laughs> this might be the most eventful offseason in Carolina Panther history, just because of the, the type of players that we've had in this locker room over the past two seasons. And now it's going to be completely, uh, damn near almost absolutely different next year. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> What's going to happen next week? Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Like Tepper said, sometimes you have to tear it down and build it back up. You know, Rome wasn't built overnight. So that's right. Just got to, you know, trust the process, let the coaches get their staff in place. What I like about how they're building the team is the freedom that they're giving the coaches to build their own staff. You know, Tepper allowed Matt Rule to choose his coordinators. Mm -hmm. Matt Rule gave Joe Brady full authority to pick his position coaches. So Joe Brady's going to pick the quarterback coach. He might keep 
uh, Jake Peets as the running back coach. He did a phenomenal job with CMC last year. Mm. I mean, he's probably going to pick his receivers coach, O-line coach. So it's going to have um, Joe Brady's blueprint written all over it. And the reason that's important is because, you know, Brady's going to be a hot name. I mean, if he comes out, guns are blazing. Other teams are going to interview him for head coaching jobs. So this might only be a, you know, two or three, four year hire. You know, he's not going to be here for the full seven years that rule is. So, you know, if some team says, man, Joe Brady's taking the league by storm and gives him that head coaching job, we can have the next guy in his pipeline to step up and become the next offensive coordinator and just keep it going like that and keep that same system, keep that same continuity. And that's how you build sustained success in this league. You know, maybe, may you know, we get a situation where we have a lot of success and he wants to stay like Josh McDaniels. Know, over 10 years with the Patriots. So, I mean, that's, we'll see how this plays out. You know, I'm excited. I was, you know, holding back my judgment on Tepper to see what he would do with the head coach. But with Matt Rule, Joe Brady, and Phil Snow, you know, it's basically an all-star lineup of college coaches. I think, you know, he's so far he's he's winning this offseason. So let's keep it up. Here, here. And, you know, just one last thing, just to kind of – you know, give you a little bit about the mind frame. I don't know if you guys remember. I know, um, I know, I had brought it up when uh, Mr. Tepper was when we found out he was going to be our owner. And Tim, you know, I used to saying about how sometimes you got to, uh, you know, tear it down to build it back up. Mm-hmm. Well, if y'all remember, uh, long before um, uh, Mr. Tepper came our owner here, you know, he was, of course, you know, hedge fund billionaire and things like that. Well, uh, his former boss um, had a mansion, uh, oceanfront mansion near uh, Sagapanet, New York, that was worth about uh, $43.5 million. Well, this uh, former boss didn't think David Tepper was, quote, good enough to make it in his company, so he let Tepper go. Well, Tepper went out, did his thing, came back, and the ex-wife of his former boss sold it to Tepper and then Tepper bulldozed the $43 million mansion down and rebuilt it from scratch the way that he wanted to just to prove a point. So, <laughs> so you know, when you talk about Tepper rebuilding from scratch, trust me, this is something that he has a lot of experience on both business-wise and personal-wise. So, uh, you know, you know, I'm just going to enjoy the process and and see what happens until the results come out and uh, and go from there. But yeah, Tepper uh, <laughs> Tepper knows about starting from scratch and tearing something down. So, you know, hey, it's uh, this is not new to him. And, you know, this reminds me, you know, that 2011 season I mean, we were six and ten, but that was the most fun I've ever had cheering for a bad football team. We just had so much to look forward to. The guys were playing hard. It was Cam's rookie season. You were excited about that. You just felt that the organization was going in the right direction. So it was still a very enjoyable season, even though we weren't putting up the W's in the win column. So that's just kind of the feeling I have going into this year. You know, I don't have high expectations. I don't think we're going to be winning the NFC South or the Super Bowl this upcoming year, but just excited about the foundation that's being built. And I expecting the guys to go out and compete every week, you know, play hard. And, you know, who knows? Maybe some of those close games go our way and we do. 
uh, better than expected. But I'm still, even though we're in rebuild mode, I think we're headed in the right direction. I think we're going to see progress and build off this, you know, five and eleven debacle that we had this past year. So I mean, it's it's going to be painful few months, maybe painful season, but it's still a lot of excitement and a lot to be happy about as a Panther fan right now. Well, Panther fans, um, I believe this is uh, this is all we're going to be able to uh, talk about tonight. I'm going to start going looking for some tissue here in a minute. <laughs> Got me all up in my feelings, man. <laughs> wow. But, you know, this is part of the game, folks. You can't play football forever. If you could, we we wouldn't be sitting here talking. We'd be playing football. <laughs> but um, uh, you guys have any parting shots? Uh, Yeah, this week, I mean, if, if all of you get into the NFL draft, check out the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl. I mean, these aren't your blue chip. First, second round prospects, these are your fifth, sixth, seventh round undrafted free agent type guys. But we look at our roster, you know, look at some of the guys we had to start this year, you know, or get significant reps. I mean, Kyle Allen, undrafted free agent. Uh, F.A. Obata, we found him. You know, he wasn't drafted. You know, um, uh, Reggie Bonifon, undrafted, you know, free agent. Jermaine Carter, you know, I think he was a day three pick. So, these are the guys that, you know, you got to fill out your roster and get significant reps for you. So, you know, be sure to check out the Shrine Bowl because I think the Panthers talk to a lot of players. They're interviewing guys to potentially come in and play a significant role next year. So it might be your first chance to get a look at them. So you'll have the Shrine Bowl this week and the Senior Bowl next week. So stay tuned. We'll have coverage of both of those. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, for me, Tim, my closing remark – one more time for the last time. Hey. Right on, man. Dang, man. Wow. Man, just draft somebody named Luke so we can do that shit. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, Panther fans, we always appreciate you, and we especially appreciate you uh, today for – um, checking out the Four Man Rush podcast on this uh, eventful, um, eventful episode, saying farewell to the one and only Luke Keekley. and we'll keep pounding. So, on behalf of myself, Timmy Vio, Kevin, and Will, and the entire Four Man Rush crew, we'd like to thank you uh, for listening and checking us out. Um, as always, you know, head on over to our uh, webpage. Um, that's www.theformanrush.com to catch up on all the um, great news articles um, that our fellows are writing up. Um, a lot of good stuff out there about the coaching staff is coming to together, uh, potential draft draft picks. Um, we have a lot, a lot more uh, college um, college highlights, uh, player. I mean, highlighting players and things of that nature. So yeah, it's gonna be some good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and us, you know. Also, uh, check out our Facebook page, Instagram, um, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Damn it, we're everywhere. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, thanks guys. And if you're listening to this morning, I uh, listen to this podcast in the morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Be safe out there. And as always, keep pounding. And what? Damn, Luke. <laughs> Crazy how the 
content of the show changes like right. I mean, they, they, they think his video dropped at like eight forty-five. Mm. <laughs> we had to like switch up and do a whole new show like yeah. in that thirty-minute window. We should hit him, hit him with that breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> man, dang man, Luke Kicks. Wow. Man, I didn't feel this way when Dan Morgan left. Nah, I mean not. <laughs> Not even Smitty or, well, I don't know, Smitty, I, well, Smitty, I was mad. I was mad, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, like, crushed like this, emotionally crushed like this. D'Angelo, I was, I was kind of mad then, too, with Smitty and Diva Angelo, until he started acting a fool. Yeah. yeah. This is different, Luke was. Came out of nowhere. Like, Smitty, we kind of got it. The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.